The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Hello, everybody. Thanks for hitting the play button and welcome to the show. How about some good news to start the podcast? A court in The Hague, which is only legally binding in the Netherlands, ruled on May 26 that Royal Dutch Shell must significantly increase its reduction in greenhouse gases to 45% of 2019 levels in order to stick to the Paris Agreement targets. The ruling in the case, which was filed in 2018 by roughly 2,000 Dutch citizens, they argued that Shell's polluting oil and gas explorations threaten their human rights to a stable climate. This could set a legal precedent for oil companies all across the world. Shell expects to appeal the ruling. They pledge to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 20% within a decade and to net zero before 2050. Clearly, that's not enough. Come on, boys, get busy. Time to slash your emissions. And there's more good news. Chevron Corp. Their shareholders voted for a proposal to reduce emissions from the company's customers. According to a preliminary vote, 61% of investors backed the proposal at the company's annual investor meeting on May 26th, rebuffing the company's board, which had urged shareholders to reject it. And one more to top off the cake. Climate advocates gained influence at oil giant ExxonMobil after two candidates nominated by an activist firm won seats on the company's board on, that's right, May 26th. I like that day. The firm is called for the company to make more significant investments in clean energy using stricter approval criteria for new expenditures and an overhaul of management. Do you see what happens when we demand action? It's not happening overnight, and it's not going to be a breeze to transition to renewable energy. There will be bumps in the road, but the tide is turning. Maybe we can save our species after all. When I think of the Big Five, I think of the Fab Five, a group of highly skilled recruiting class for the 1991 season of basketball at the University of Michigan. That group was the first in the history of the NCAA basketball tournament to play in the championship game with all freshman starters. When hunters think of the Big Five, they think about killing the toughest game animals to hunt in Africa. The five are the lion, leopard, rhino, elephant, and cape buffalo. Times change, and now there is a new Big Five in town. Travelers are encouraged to shoot the new Big Five with cameras, not guns. 
I spoke about this a couple months ago in episode 29. At the new Big Five website, more than 50,000 supporters voted, and the winners were elephant, polar bear, gorilla, lion, and tiger. These animals are considered keystone animals, a phrase I'd never heard before, and it means that there would be irreversible changes to the planet's biodiversity if they become extinct. Much of the world's conservation efforts are funded by tourism, which has largely collapsed due to the pandemic. Let's take a closer look at the new Big Five. Elephant. The elephant population in Africa has been decimated by about 90% in the last century, mostly due to the ivory trade. In the 1800s, there were more than 26 million elephants in Africa. Now the total is estimated to be a little over 400,000. The Asian elephant, found in South and Southeast Asia, also faces dwindling numbers, with between 30 and 35,000 of them left in the entire world. Want to see them? Here's how to put elephants on your bucket list. Head to Laos and Thailand. You'll journey across lush jungles alongside adult elephants and help prepare their food and bathe them. Polar bears. Their numbers are down to less than 25,000 in the world. That's enough to fill up a decent-sized concert venue for a pop concert, but not enough to fill Wembley Stadium for Live Aid in the 1980s. You rocked, Freddy. Climate change has caused the Arctic to warm about twice as quickly as the global average, making it harder for polar bears to find enough food, melting their habitats, and threatening to wipe out most of their population by the end of the century. If you want to see a polar bear, I suggest going to Greenland or Norway, where the northern lights can also be seen. That way you get to nab two potential bucket list items with one vacation. Next on the list is the gorilla. They're threatened by habitat destruction as a result of human encroachment, climate change, and mining. Mountain gorilla populations are recovering and have been moved to the endangered list from its previously critically endangered status. The animals can be found in the Virunga Mountains, a chain of extinct volcanoes in East Africa. National parks in these countries cover protected areas to mitigate the threats that mountain gorillas face. If you want to see gorillas in the wild, take a trip to the Volcanoes National Park in Rwanda, where you can find guided tours. Cool. Number four on the list is the lion, the king of the jungle. Simba, the Lion King, everyone loves the majestic lion. Unfortunately, hunters love them too. They want to kill them. Lion populations are down to 20 to 25,000 left in the world. A trip to Kenya and the Maasai Mara National Reserve has safari packages that you can get close enough to take a great picture of a lion. And rounding out the top five is the tiger. There is an estimated total of just 4,000 tigers left in the wild. What happened to them? Loss of habitat. We talk about that often. Poaching and human-wildlife conflict are three of the major causes driving their rapid decline. The best place to see tigers is to travel to India and take a jungle tour. What are my favorite memories of each of the new big five? Well, for the lion, that's easy. It's the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. I mean, come on. Magilla Gorilla is my choice for the largest primate in the world. You'd have to be old or look back on cartoons to find Magilla Gorilla. A close second would be George in the movie Rampage with The Rock. My favorite choice for an elephant is... uh. Wait, I've got it. It's Horton from the 2008 movie version of Horton Hears a Who. You've got to watch that movie with a good surround system. The last scene where everyone's yelling, we are here, we are here. Great stuff. Dr. Seuss does it again. All right, moving on to polar bears. I really can't think of any famous polar bears except the ones from the Coca-Cola ads. So I guess that's it. And my tiger is Tigger from Winnie the Pooh with Tony the Tiger a close second. He was great. That was so cheesy. If you feel so motivated, send me your list, and we'll mention a few of them on a future show. In the meantime, the good news is word is spreading throughout the world that we must save these amazing animals from extinction. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. 
This past Earth Day, United States Representative Bobby Rush, a Democrat from Illinois, championed legislation he introduced to commemorate the life and legacy of Hazel M. Johnson, an activist from the south side of Chicago who was widely recognized as the mother of environmental justice. Johnson was born in New Orleans in 1935 and moved with her husband, John, to Chicago in the mid-50s. Johnson lived in a housing project. The area was surrounded by landfills, industrial buildings, and sewage treatment plants. Sounds disgusting. Following the death of her husband in 69 from lung cancer and the prevalence of skin and respiratory issues among her seven children, Johnson started investigating the impacts of the neighborhood's environmental conditions on the residents. She documented the occurrences of chronic health problems in her community to better understand the impacts of the area's air and water pollution. What Johnson learned led her to dub the neighborhood the Toxic Donut. I prefer chocolate, but I didn't live there. The Toxic Donut. What a horrible name for an area. In addition to being exposed to hazardous fumes from surrounding factories and asbestos used during construction of the buildings, the community was supplied with contaminated drinking water and was found to have the highest cancer rate in the city. Oh my God, can you believe this? She ran and was elected to a local advisory council in 1970, remaining in that role until 1979 before she founded the People for Community Recovery. One of my favorite parts of the podcast is unearthing heroes like Miss Johnson. She passed away in 2011. May her memory be a blessing. In 1990, Miss Johnson spoke to a Chicago town hall about pollution. That was over 30 years ago. What a shame we've made such little progress, and in many cases, our pollution problems has grown worse. Listen to her words and tell me if this was spoken in 1990 or today by climate activists like Greta Thunberg or Al Gore. Quote, Every day I complain, protest, and object, but it takes such vigilance and activism to keep legislators on their toes and government accountable to the people on environmental issues. I've been thrown in jail twice for getting in the way of big business but I don't regret anything I've ever done, and I don't think I'll ever stop as long as I'm breathing. If we want a safe environment for our children and grandchildren, we must clean up our act, no matter how hard a task it might be. Unquote. In 1992, Johnson was given the President's Environmental and Conservation Challenge Award by President George H.W. Bush in recognition of her environmental justice work. Representative Rush has introduced three pieces of legislation to commemorate the life and legacy of Hazel Johnson. H.R. 674 is called the Hazel M. Johnson Congressional Gold Medal Act, which would posthumously present Miss Johnson with the Congressional Gold Medal in recognition of her achievements and contributions to the environmental justice movement. H.R. 79 would designate the month of April each year as Hazel M. Johnson Environmental Justice Month. And H.R. 673, the Hazel M. Johnson Memorial Stamp Act, would direct the Postmaster General to issue a commemorative postage stamp in honor of Miss Johnson. Well, there you go. Congratulations to a, an amazing woman who tried to help so many thousands of people in Chicago. Yeah. Now it's time for the Climate Villain of the Week. This week our villain isn't a person or a company. It's a man-made chemical that's killing us. PFAS, a class of toxic chemicals, can lead to health issues in people exposed to them. We talked about them at great length during Episode 6, when we dragged DuPont through the mud and exposed how they poison people to help make a bigger profit. Yeah, nice guys, those DuPont executives. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thanks for poisoning everybody. In a recent study of 50 mothers, all participants carried traces of the chemicals in their breast milk. For expectant and new mothers, 
these foreign toxins may affect not only their health, but the health of their children. In the new study, researchers analyzed the breast milk of 50 women and discovered traces of PFAS in every sample. The study, which was published recently in the journal Environmental Science and Technology, is the first of its kind to analyze PFAS in the breast milk of American women since 2004. The researchers tested for 39 different PFASs, including nine compounds that are still in use in the United States. The researchers also analyzed current data from around the world and found that these chemicals were on the rise globally, doubling in number every four years. PFAS is a class of more than 9,000 chemicals that can be found in food packaged in materials, like fast food wrappers. You could also find them in stain and water-resistant fabrics, nonstick pots and pans, paints, cleaning products, firefighting foams. A 2016 study found that more than 6 million U.S. residents drink tap water that exceeds the EPA's lifetime health advisory for the chemical. Because of their composition, PFAS can remain in the environment for a long time and are thought as forever chemicals. Once a person is exposed, the chemicals can build up in their body too, leading to a higher concentration over time. And currently, there is no way to remove them from the body once they've accumulated there. If you are a mother of an infant or expecting mother, experts say not to panic about your potential exposure or the ability to pass it on to your child. Breastfeeding still has many positive health outcomes for both the baby and the mom. But remember, PFASs are linked to health problems like cancer, increased cholesterol, liver damage, thyroid disease, decreased fertility. What does the studio audience have to say about this report? All right, we have some birthdays to celebrate. Everyone I know thinks the guillotine was invented by a man named Guillotine, but that's not quite correct. Joseph was born on May 28, 1738. He was a French physician, politician, and Freemason. He proposed in 1789 the use of a device to carry out death penalties in France that beheads painlessly. Joseph didn't even design or build the guillotine, but became known to this day as the guillotine. Joseph Guillotin, also known as guillotine, because the guillotine was considered a widowmaker, it was classed as feminine, so an E was put at the end of his name. The actual inventor of the prototype was a man named Tobias Schmidt, working with the king's physician, Antoine Louis. Guillotin was opposed to the death penalty, and hoped that a more humane and less painful method of execution would be the first step towards total abolition. He also hoped that the decapitation machine would kill quickly without prolonged suffering. He hoped this would reduce the size and enthusiasm of crowds that often filled the town square to witness an execution. Somehow, telling a convicted criminal it's time to face the Luis or Schmidt just doesn't have the same ring to it. Guillotin deeply regretted that the machine was named after him, kind of like how Joseph Nobel decided to make peace prizes to be his legacy, not the invention of dynamite. Guillotin continued efforts to abolish the death penalty, but was hampered by the widespread belief that the person who proposed using a decapitation machine to carry out executions must have surely been in favor of it. About six years ago, my family went to visit a good friend who lives in London. We crammed our suitcases full of clothes and gifts for our friend and his two lovely nieces. When we got to the airport, the costly products for his nieces were too big. We had them in our carry-on. Well, that wasn't going to work, so we had to abandon them. I wonder who got those. Probably the security guard. Oops. Next, the security guard pulled out a box intended for our friend. It was the original bagel guillotine bagel slicer. I wonder if poor long-dead Joseph Guillotin knows his name is associated with making a clean, painless slice through the middle of a bagel. Probably not. At the time, bringing our friend a bagel slicer seemed innocent enough, 
Boy, were we wrong. The problem was the bagel slicer was in our carry-on, not in our luggage. So the guard looked at me, quite perplexed, and said, Were you seriously trying to bring a guillotine on the plane? Boy, did I feel like an idiot. I'm not a terrorist, but for a second, the woman running security didn't know that. You should have seen the look she gave me. I promise you we were not going to kill anybody on the plane with a guillotine. But it did not come to England with us. What's the lesson here? Don't try to sneak a guillotine past airport security. Most people interested in science are familiar with E equals MC squared. But what is the second most famous equation in science? And you can find it in nearly every astronomy textbook. The answer is Frank Drake's formula for estimating the number of technological civilizations that may exist in the Milky Way galaxy. Drake concluded that perhaps 10 such planets in our galaxy may have life originating detectable signals. The formula doesn't exactly roll off your tongue like E equals MC squared, and it's a long one. The Drake equation was cooked up by astronomer Frank Drake in 1961 to serve as the agenda for the first meeting on the topic of SETI. Frank Drake was born on May 28, 1930. Drake considered the possibility of life existing on other planets as an eight-year-old. Drake started his career research at the National Radio Astronomy Observatory in Greenbank, West Virginia. We talked about Greenbank in episode 17. And later in his career, Drake worked at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He's one of the pioneers of the modern field of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Drake co-designed the Pioneer plaque with Carl Sagan in 1972. And if you remember, that was the first physical message sent into space by humans. The plaque was designed to be understandable by extraterrestrials should they encounter it. He later supervised the creation of the Voyager Golden Record. Pioneer plaques are a pair of gold anodized aluminum plaques that were placed on board the 1972 Pioneer 10 and 1973 Pioneer 11 spacecrafts, featuring a pictorial message. In case either Pioneer 10 or 11 finds its way into intelligent life by an extraterrestrial, the plaques show the nude figures of a human male and female, along with several symbols that are designed to provide information about the origin of the spacecraft. All right, let's get back to the Drake equation. How many alien societies exist and how many of them are detectable? This famous formula gives us an idea, the Drake equation, which was the agenda for a meeting of experts held in 1961. It estimates that N, the number of transmitting societies in the Milky Way galaxy. Here are the different terms. N, the number of civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy whose electromagnetic emissions are detectable. The rate of formation of stars suitable for the development of intelligent life. The rate of formation of stars suitable for the development of intelligent life. The fraction of those stars with planetary systems. The number of planets per solar system with an environment suitable for life. The fraction of suitable planets on which life actually appears. The fraction of life-bearing planets on which intelligent life emerges. The fraction of civilizations that develop a technology that produces detectable signs in their existence. And lastly, the average length of time such civilizations produce such signs. There are 100 scientists at the SETI Institute working on nearly 100 research questions, but each of these topics can be related to one of the terms in the Drake equation. And with that, we close episode 32. A big shout out to you for listening to the show. Thank you very much. Really do appreciate it. And special thanks to the crew at Alitu and Captivate for making the show sound so good. Thanks to the local crew and my pals in England for chipping in too. Until I come to you in June, enjoy the sights and sounds of Mother Nature. Try to find some peace in this world. Good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been a breath of fresh earth. Thanks for listening. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.